You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in. Late Kick is live. It is Thursday night. It is June 18th, the year of our Lord, 2020. We've got a loaded show. We're going to talk about some things that I can guarantee you, if you're a college football fan at least, will impact your life. Sometimes we talk about specific programs and you may say, they didn't touch on my team tonight. At least what we're going to lead the show with, it's going to impact everyone out there far and wide. I think a lot of you have been led to believe you need to be scared about something. Let me mute my own voice that I don't think you need to be scared of. In fact, quite the opposite. I think maybe there's an opportunity coming for a lot of programs that some are going to realize and take advantage of, and by nature, some are gonna be left behind. I'm gonna talk about what is very advantageous for one program and inexplicable for three other programs in the world of recruiting right now and how it impacts the future and We're going to continue our most important in 2020 series, and we're talking about a quarterback that I think is on the forefront of everyone's mind and the forefront of most every preview magazine that I've seen going up and down the grocery aisles, that being Kyle Trask at the University of Florida. So we've got a lot to get to. I've got a Q&A or two to get to as well. A reminder, if you haven't already, and a lot of you already have, check out the Late Kick Extra podcast. We do every show. Every show we do, we put it out there in podcast form. Some of you are listening on podcast right now, but we also do an extra show that doesn't appear on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel each week. It uh, airs Wednesday. That's when we release it. And it's just a bunch of your questions, my answers. It is a mailbag. It is as is often the case, the best of shows, 100% driven by you. It's your show, as I always say. I'm just kind of here to gently steer it and offer my two cents, but you determine what we talk about. We don't make the show for us, we make the show for you. So let's get into it tonight. This Thursday evening, I thought I would start with something that's been talked about by a lot of people, but I don't think a lot of people are speaking about it with expertise because to be honest with you, I don't know that there is a lot of expertise to be found on this particular subject yet. Name, image, and likeness. What kind of emotions do those three words elicit from you right now? A lot of you are scared of the forthcoming legislation. It's happening in a bunch of states. Uh, Let me just spoil the ending for you. It's going to happen in all the states. And what we're talking about essentially is uh, state legislatures overturning laws that forbid college athletes from profiting off of their likeness and image, basically profiting off their name the way that you or I could. Where you stand on whether it should or shouldn't be allowed, forget it because it's going to happen. So you might as well stop worrying about that. But now that we know it's going to happen, a lot of people have been told that when this happens and it overturns college football, it's going to A, ruin the sport as you know it, which happens like once a year, something comes along once a year that's going to ruin the sport as we know it, pretty much never happens unless you expand the playoff. B, what people are told is aside from the very few, the rich, the very few tier one programs that are going to take off into another stratosphere, this is going to leave the rest of us in the collective dust. And I'm here to tell you tonight that I don't think that's going to happen. Certainly, I think the Ohio states of the world are going to massively benefit from this. Certainly, I think Alabama and USC and Texas, they're going to massively benefit from this. But 
Here's what I want to do. I want you to take in your mind how you think this is going to impact college football. So what you think of name, image, and likeness versus how it will be. And I want you to remember, if you're my age or anywhere close to my age, you've probably seen a movie called The Sandlot. Most of us have seen The Sandlot. It's a baseball movie, but yet eh, analogous to life. And what you probably remember about The Sandlot, if you've seen the movie, is it's all about a bunch of dudes who play baseball. Well, they're kids. They play baseball in a sandlot. James Earl Jones, as it turns out, has some property right over the fence, and he has a dog over there that is referred to as anything from a monster to a beast to a gorilla dog. Yeah, those terms are used at one point in that movie. And so you have built up in your mind an image of what this dog's going to look like. And then by the time you actually see the dog at the end of the movie, I mean, he's big, but it's not a monster. And that's actually the way I think about name, image, and likeness. How you think it's going to impact the sport versus how it's going to impact the sport. So Here's what I'm talking about when I mean a lot of programs could benefit from this instead of being left in the dust. As much literature as I've read on this, I think the perception people have is totally false. The perception people have is, let's use Ohio State for example. Ohio State has a ton of money already. They have a ton of deep-pocketed boosters. They're in Columbus, Ohio. There are limitless opportunities there for advertising deals to give to players, endorsement deals to give to players. None of that's wrong. But what you've falsely been led to believe is that this is all about how much booster money you have, how much football revenue money you have, and how many uh, car dealers and whatnot are boosters for your programs and how many folks you have in your camp that can hook players up. That's not where it's gonna come from, guys. That is where, partially, it's gonna come from. That's not where you need to focus your attention. There is a big, fat A word that you need to focus your attention on, not the one you're thinking about. Advertisements. That's where I want you to focus your attention tonight. And I want you to take yourself to 3.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, typical Saturday in the fall. You're watching the SEC Game of the Week. 8.15 Eastern Time that night, you're watching the ABC primetime game of the week, and they go to commercial. And what do you see? You see Chevy, and you see Ford, and you see Dr. Pepper plastered all over the place. You see Home Depot. These big-time brands have bought up advertising space that is very finite. There are only a certain number of games and only a certain number of advertising slots to be bought. Now, do you really think that Home Depot and Dr. Pepper and Ford and Aflac, do you really think those are the only companies in America that would love to get a slice of the 18 to 72 year old male demographic? Do you, of course not. It's just that there are mid-tier companies who would love to be in on this. They're not poor, but they're not Aflac rich that can't afford to get in on it. This is a miracle that has been sent from above for people in the advertising world. And I'm gonna tell you right now how it's going to affect you at Kansas State or Purdue or Arizona State, just as much maybe as it's going to impact folks at Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State. Think about it. I pulled up the Fortune 1000 today from 2019 and I didn't look at the top 10. I was looking at, and I have not struck a deal with any of these companies, by the way, don't think otherwise, but I'm looking at people like Pet Boys or Rent-A-Center or Muscle Milk, Men's Warehouse. These are not companies currently that can afford to sit at the same table as Ford, Dr. Pepper, the big boys in advertising. And it used to be that there were a finite amount of advertising spots you could buy. Well, now all of a sudden, 
Whereas you're worried about what this is going to do to college football, let me tell you what they're looking at. What they're looking at is all of a sudden every player is a walking billboard. That's not necessarily to say we can put their logo on a jersey on Saturday. It's going to be the Arkansas jersey that you wear on the field, but you could be a brand ambassador. Your social media accounts as a player can be leveraged now. You could be leveraged to do your own independent interviews during the week, and you are representing a brand all the while. So let me tell you what I'm doing right now. You see the Arizona State helmet Colin just showed you there, for example. Let me tell you what I'm doing. If I run one of these companies that doesn't necessarily print money like the big beer distributors or the big auto industry companies, but I'm a pretty sizable company and I would love to get my hooks into college football, here's what I'd do. I would go to Arizona State. I'd go to Purdue. I'd go to Arkansas. Conference TV deals matter a lot here, and I'm going to tell you why in a second. And I would say, um, we don't know anything about high school football. We don't know anything about recruiting. That's your wheelhouse. But here's what we do know. You're going to have a lot of kids that you're eventually going to go sign, and now you're allowed to do a lot of things on the recruiting trail that you used to not be able to do. So I'm a Pet Boys representative. I'm a Muscle Milk representative. I'm not going to go and try and find high school kids around the country. It, it makes me feel like I need to take a shower just mentioning that. I'm going to go to Arizona State, and I'm going to say, hey, Herm Edwards. I'm going to go to Sam Pittman at Arkansas, and I'm going to say, hey, guys, from what we could tell, you play on national TV 10 plus times out of the year too. Some of you play all 12 games on national TV. Alabama's already got more than they can say grace over. Ohio State's got more than they can say grace over. But you guys have massive brand potential and exposure too. What we're gonna do is we're gonna kick you about $700,000 this year. You can call it a recruiting endowment fund if you want to. And we're gonna guarantee any player of a certain caliber, let's say four star or greater, any player you sign, you might as well walk into their living room because we're going to give you full permission to and tell that kid, not only are you going to get a scholarship to Arkansas, but we're also guaranteeing you a $25,000 a year downside guarantee on a muscle milk endorsement deal, a partnership, an advertising deal. And that's just if one company comes to you. There are limitless amounts of companies who want a piece of this action. And there are only 25 kids a year that Alabama can sign and Clemson can sign and Ohio State can sign. So here's what's going to happen. A few programs are going to figure this out. And they're going to figure out that whereas the current state of college football would never let Arkansas compete against Alabama or LSU. If Alabama and LSU are operating at maximum efficiency, Arkansas has got no shot. Well, all of a sudden, what happens if Arkansas is able to leverage the new rules in name, image, and likeness. And I'm using Arkansas as an example. Please don't think I'm married to the University of Arkansas here. All of a sudden, what happens if they start leveraging companies and they start striking side deals with companies to where they can walk into a recruit's home and no longer am I just offering you a scholarship to play at Arkansas. I'm offering you that plus, look at everything else I have written down on this piece of paper. Now, I'm not telling you Arkansas is about to walk in there and beat the University of Alabama for a bunch of kids. Bama's not getting beaten for any kids. They don't get beaten now. They probably won't get beaten all that much in the future. But here's what Arkansas can do. Arkansas can beat, mm, let's say, um, Miami for kids, if Miami doesn't get their act together. Some program, or maybe a list of about 10 programs out there, that you would call Tier 2 or Tier 3 in the Power 5, they're going to figure this out. And they're going to elevate their stock and they're going to elevate their profile because they're going to get more high caliber kids that they used to not get because the big boys, as deep as their pockets may be, can only sign 25 a year to where somebody out there, 
probably about half a dozen to a dozen somebodies out there are going to have fan bases looking around five years from now when everyone's doing this saying, you know, I thought this was going to be the death knell of our program. I never thought we were going to be able to compete. And as it turns out, this was the life jacket that we needed. This was the life preserver that we needed. And now we've been pulled up to this level and now we're soaring in a way that I never thought we'd be able to. We're actually competing with programs that five to 10 years ago, we never had a chance to compete with under the old system. You see this system right now is what's holding some of you down. Cause this system right now has an unlevel playing field. I'm not complaining about it. Now that's college football, but I'm telling you this window that's about to open up, no one has the market cornered on it. This window is about to be a new window for everyone. So someone who is not tier A or even tier B right now is gonna figure it out. Now I wanna tell you as we wrap this point up, I want you to think about TV contracts and I want you to think about conference TV deals because this is where it really matters. How often you're on national television and how often that you can go to an advertiser, for example, let's just say Pet Boys or Muscle Milk or whatever, and you can say, hey, we may not be winning national championships. We may not even be finishing that far above 500, but we play Texas A&M, LSU, Auburn, and Alabama every year. And we play a big out-of-conference game every year. We play in the Southeastern Conference or the Big Ten, so you know we're on national TV a minimum of 10 times out of the year. In some cases, all 12 of our games. Your brand, your company, and your athletes, that's the exposure that I can give you now that I could not give you in old school college football. And yes, 2020 is about to be old school college football before too much longer. You're scared of this and you don't need to be scared of this. You need to view this as an opportunity because someone, probably more than a few someones, are going to take advantage of this and it's gonna be what saved your program and took you to the next level. This is something obviously we're gonna talk a whole lot about in the coming weeks, months, and years. I was on the phone today. You're going to see this next week. Not on the phone. I did an interview with a big time name in the world of sports agency. As excited as I just seemed about talking about this stuff, uh, you ramp it up times 10 and that's people in that world. They know what's coming. They know what's coming. And I do too. I just think it's a lot different maybe than what a lot of people have led you to believe is coming. Let's move it on. Speaking of recruiting, speaking of the big boys, you may have been paying attention this week and you saw a four-star receiver by the name of Christian Leary. He's out of Orlando. He committed to Alabama. Um, to give you an idea, a lot of people think this may be one of the fastest, if not the fastest, uh, athletes in the 2020 cycle. Oh, look, Colin circled him with a ring of fire. That's, that's classy, Colin, especially when I read you what I'm about to read you. Henry Ruggs, um, was one of the fastest players I've ever seen in person. I remember being at a game where his program of, I think he went to Lee Montgomery, Carver or Lee Montgomery, they played Central of Phoenix City. And I'm standing on the field when a couple of 10th graders are playing against each other. And it's these receivers, they're just stud receivers. And I saw Henry Ruggs break a slant into the open field like you're kind of seeing right now. And I'd never seen a faster high school player. Then Central of Phoenix City has one do the same thing. Turns out I was watching Henry Ruggs and Justin Ross. So Henry Ruggs was a 10-5-8 guy in the 100 meters in high school. This Christian Leary cat right here is a 10-5-0 guy. Henry Ruggs broke the Alabama state record when he put that number up. Just to give you an idea of the kind of speed that we're looking at here. So this is not a Christian Leary segment. It just goes to show you what Alabama's been doing. But then I want to stretch it out a little bit. 
I think it's insane what they have done and partly what they've been allowed to accomplish in the state of Florida. They're not alone, by the way. This is just the latest kind of commitment that's redirected my attention to this. Right now, let me use Alabama since we're looking at them. Right now, Alabama has Ja'Cory Brooks, that's a five-star receiver from Miami, committed. They have a G.A. Hall, it's anyone's guess how to pronounce that first name, four-star receiver from Tampa, committed. They just got Leary, we're showing you film right now, we just did, four-star receiver from Orlando, committed. Yet what I just told you is, they have the number one, number two, and number three receivers per 24-7 sports in the state of Florida, committed. The University of Alabama. I didn't say Miami. I didn't say Florida State. I didn't even say the University of Florida. That's a team that's ranked in everyone's top 10. I didn't say Florida. I said Alabama. It doesn't stop there, by the way. Jerry Judy, you know where he was from. Calvin Ridley, you know where he was from. Amari Cooper, you remember him. You know where he was from. Bama's got J.C. Latham committed right now, who's the number one offensive tackle, offensive lineman in the country. Some think he may end up being the top player in the country. He's a five-star offensive lineman committed. Now, he's at IMG in Bradenton, originally from somewhere up north. But, I mean, Trey Sanders is a recent commit of theirs, five-star running back from down at IMG. Tim Smith, they landed over Florida last year. Evan Neal, a five-star probably going to start at right tackle for them this year. Jordan Battle is a safety they got out of Florida last year, a couple of years ago, who will play a big role this year. Pat Sertain, anyone remember him? These are all just kids from the state of Florida that Alabama's landed in the last few years. How does this happen? Independent of how great Nick Saban is, independent of how great Alabama's been, how in the world has this been allowed to happen? How has the state, and more specifically, the in-state recruiting in the state of Florida allowed to dip to the point where programs it's not even a struggle anymore. They come in the state and they raid it. Clemson does it. Alabama does it. Ohio State's had success down here. Alabama's not done in the state of Florida for this cycle. Neither is Clemson. Neither is Georgia. Georgia's had a lot of success down here. When you look back on this stretch in the history books, it felt, especially if you follow recruiting a lot, but just if you follow these programs, you follow the big boy programs and you're looking at the college football playoff and you're looking at the teams vying for national championships every year, none of them are there without the stockpile of talent that they are raiding from the state of Florida. This is the, I continue to tell you, the biggest hidden storyline in college football is every year that goes by that Miami doesn't have their act together and Florida State doesn't have their act together. And as good as Florida may be performing on the field right now, they're nothing to write home about recruiting their state either. They are regularly being fleeced by teams like Alabama coming in their state. These aren't programs on probation. These are not programs that are under crippling sanctions, Others, other than maybe what they've imposed on themselves, figuratively. This will be the story, continues to be the biggest story in college football. That's why I think the reemergence of Miami or Florida State would be so big twofold. Number one, because with those respective programs, it would give Clemson some competition in the ACC. Number two, it would at least somewhat shut off this pipeline. It's, it's not even a pipeline. It's like a fire hose of talent that's escaping South Florida. You really think all these kids grew up Alabama fans or Clemson fans? I mean, do you really think that kids at Booker T. Washington High School in Miami or, or Coconut Grove down in Florida, do you really think kids in Orlando and Tampa grew up saying, 
a Clemson Tiger, uh, an Alabama, well, a Crimson Tide is not a, an adjective, but th- th- that's where I want to go. I grew up dreaming to move out of Florida and go away for college. That's not what they grew up dreaming. Everyone wants to stay home and play. You're not giving them a, a valid enough reason to stay home and play. And like I said, probably the one I'm disappointed in the most right now, this is just a snapshot in time, is the University of Florida. Miami's been bad. Florida State's been bad. Florida hasn't been bad. Like they're, they're winning on the field. The reason I have trouble buying into Florida to the degree that a lot of preview magazines have and a lot of long-term prospectus type outlooks have is because they don't have the kind of elite depth that other programs have. And those other programs, ironically, have created that depth by coming into their state and taking their players. I know this sucks to hear, and some folks get mad at this, and they may call you like a gator, hater. Where am I wrong? I'm not telling you that you're terrible recruiting. You're not doing like USC last year, but you're not where you need to be. You don't have a staff that can match what Alabama staff is doing, or Georgia's, or Clemson's, or Ohio State's, and they're having to come across state lines, and they're still spanking all three major in-state programs down there. It just boggles my mind. I mean, we put out, Bud Elliott put out our 24-7 sports blue tip blue chip ratio last week, which is quite simply a measure of which programs have more four and five-star talent than three-star talent or less on their roster. Miami and Florida State aren't even on that list. Yet you almost have to try not to be on that list if you're in Miami or Florida State. But that's where we stand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, now, we move up the road a little bit, but we stay in the state of Florida. I didn't necessarily stack it like this, but it ended up like this. Uh, Kyle Trask, we're doing our series, albeit a very informal series, as we continue now tonight with Kyle Trask about the most important figures in college football. Remember we talked about Josh Gaddis the other night. It's not just players, it's figures. Josh Gaddis is the offensive coordinator at Michigan. I think for obvious reasons, he is one of the most important figures in college football this year, meaning... Whatever we get from him is going to have a huge ripple effect across the sport. This Sunday, I think we're going to talk about Clay Helton, if all goes according to plan. And so tonight, I wanted to talk about Kyle Trask for just a second. I did a couple of radio hits today, and I do several radio hits during the week. And I've been asked this question a lot, so I'm going to ask you now. You can play along with me. How would you answer this if you were on radio? Someone said to you, Josh, or in your case, audience member? I'm looking in the chat. Melissa, David, Tyler? Vols talk, Brant, Iowa State fanatic. Uh, who is the best quarterback in the SEC entering the 2020 college football season? How would you answer that? 
Because if the answer is not Kyle Trask, then you are going off potential. And I don't have a problem with that, but aside from Kyle Trask, like who's really proven down here? Are you going Kellen Mond? Is that the direction you want to go? Bo Nix has the potential, but it's not necessarily fully proven potential yet. Jamie Newman's done it at Wake Forest, but there is uh, there are several reasons to at least question what we're going to get from them, him and them, out of Georgia this year. Where else are we going? I think it's viable that you could go to Alabama because you know Mac Jones is not a new starter and he's going to be surrounded by an army of talent. But you see what I mean by this. It's almost like a gotcha question. It's like a trap question. They want you to say anyone other than Kyle Trask so that they can press you on it. So I think the answer is, well, at least as it stands right now, it's Kyle Trask. But are we giving that answer holding our nose or are we energetically and forcefully giving that answer? Is Florida's offense going to be feared this year at any point? Do you think, Florida fans and otherwise, do you think that we're going to watch this team this year and wherever they peak performance-wise, are they going to have a product on the field that is really scary? I mean, that you think about four days before you play them and you say, how in the world are we going to stop that offensive machine they have at Florida? Who are the first-team talent guys? Like first team all conference types, I think you could put Trask in that conversation. Uh, Pitts certainly not tight end; he's a star, so I don't have any question about him. But outside of that, there are good pieces here. It's not; a, it's certainly the cupboard is not bare. Uh, but you know, I say all that because Dan Mullen. We're looking at him right now. If you're watching on YouTube, Dan Mullen is universally thought of as one of the best play callers and one of the best offensive minds and developers in the sport. I don't disagree with any of that. My point is, if all that verifies. And if you have a shift offensively that really meshes well with what you have, not only in Kyle Trask, but also Emory Jones, who is probably going to play a pretty important role there this year too, then it doesn't matter how much preseason first-team All-SEC guys you have because as long as you have enough talent, guys like Dan Mullen will get it done. It is his time to shine, but that also means it's Kyle Trask's time to shine. Now, you think back this time last year, and of course, we were talking about Joe Burrow and LSU. We weren't predicting them to win a national championship. Some of us were higher on them than others, but a lot of people were looking at Joe Burrow. And people close to LSU had all the confidence in the world. I, in turn, had a lot of confidence. I have people close to LSU who were annually pessimistic about any rumors of offensive improvement, and all of a sudden, the annual pessimistic crowd I mean, they were bathing in the purple and gold Kool-Aid. And I said, these people don't normally blow smoke. They must know something. And as it turns out, they did. Joe Burrow always had the skill set. It just took the right system. Joe Burrow was also surrounded by, as it turns out, the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line and several first-round caliber wide receivers. I don't know that we necessarily have that skill set at Florida, at the quarterback position, or elsewhere. Are they good enough? Because I think a lot of comparisons being made right now between last year where LSU was and then this year where Florida was and what we should expect, Kyle Trask is probably not the mobile threat that Joe Burrow was. He doesn't have quite as efficient weapons. I don't want to say efficient because they can be very efficient at Florida. Uh, the, the, the danger factor, the pop the top off at any moment factor. I don't necessarily know that I look at Florida's offense the same way. Schedule, though, not as tough as what LSU played last year. And they're going to have some time to get whatever they're going to be right. They don't start off with three of their first five opponents being top 10 caliber. Emory Jones 
is a guy that the closer I get to Florida, the more you hear talked about. Nationally, Emory Jones is an afterthought. Everyone thinks Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask, he's going to take 95% of the snaps this year. Most informed Florida fans will tell you, nah, that ain't true. And truth be told, we, some of us, some of us speaking for Florida fans now, think that Emory Jones has a skill set that matches what Dan Mullen ideally wants to do a lot more. Hey, I can't argue with that, with what we've seen from Dan Mullen historically. I, there's no conversation to be had. Certainly, Emory Jones looks like uh, the more prototypical Dan Mullen quarterback. Now, you've got another contingent of Gator fans who would say, okay, but so was Felipe Franks on the surface, and he goes down last year, and we just had a random pivot to where not only did we put a different guy in, that guy being Kyle Trask, I mean, we, it seems like on the fly, just changed our offense. We went like air raid principles, and it looked good with an offseason and one of the best offensive minds in college football. Like, may we see an offensive product this year that we look at and go, long term, maybe this gives us a better chance to eventually win the SEC or a national championship here than whatever, quote unquote, Dan Mullen's offense is. But I am... Um, when I'm, t when I'm looking at the quarterback position and you don't have a transcendent star, you know, Jake Fromm is a good example this time last year. Jake Fromm I was looking at and I was wondering, how many games is he going to have to win? How many games are they going to be in where you're trading shots with someone and it's put on the quarterback's shoulders? And so I'm looking up and down Florida's schedule and you've, well, I'm looking up and down the roster to be honest with you. And if it went wrong this year, it would go wrong because you know, like maybe Damian Pierce never really solidifies himself or himself as a tier one SEC running back, and they can't lean on the running back position. Maybe the pass rush is not there defensively, and therefore you're asked to win more games. You shoulder a lot more of the load as the quarterback at Florida. But I mean, Kentucky in week two, is that a game Kyle Trask is going to have to win at Tennessee in week four? South Carolina at home week five? They're going to have LSU come in there in week six. That looks to be the first game where I mean, if you want to call it losable, I'll call it losable. Several of these games are losable. I mean, far crazier things have happened. But that LSU game is the one where they stand the biggest chance of maybe being a point spread underdog by the time the game happens. I know what things say right now. And then Georgia week nine in Jacksonville. Like, which game's there? Could it be a game that pops up that no one could have seen coming? But Kyle Trask, I mean, as much maybe guarded optimism as I have about him, if they start the season and that offense is on fire, and Florida has found their pass rush. Todd Grantham has worked a miracle down there. I mean, it's not like it's out of the realm of possibility to look at them and say, you know, I thought Florida was going to be good. They're even better than I thought they were going to look. I mean, I thought they were going to contend in the East and probably lose to Alabama or whoever in Atlanta. I think they can beat Alabama or whoever the SEC West sends to Atlanta. That's not out of the realm of possibility. But like we said the other night, like I'll continue to say, only because I'm repeating what a lot of our Florida viewers and listeners say to me, if not 2020, then when? Now, having said that, maybe all this expectation gets packed onto Florida this year and they finish second in the East and then it's Emory Jones time and it turns out all the while some of the insiders in Gainesville were right. He was the one that was the better fit all along. I don't know, several ways that things can go this year. Uh, let's wrap it up with a Q&A here. Uh, if you haven't already, I see a lot of you watching, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. We do this show live every Thursday night, every Sunday night. And check out the Late Kick Extra podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, it's available. Five-star reviews, very much appreciated. 
And that's where I went for this question. Jake, On uh, actually it was in the YouTube comment section, but I wanted to get to this because it was today that the latest announcement happened. Jake asked, what's the deal with all these big home and home announcements? Now today, if you missed it, don't worry, you got time to get caught up. Alabama and Ohio State announced that they are going to play a home and home series in 2027 and 2028. I think it's at Columbus, then at Tuscaloosa. And so I took those two teams. You could take several of these teams because several teams are loading up. Ohio State over the next 10 or so years, they've got home and homes with Oregon. They're in the middle of that one this season. Notre Dame, Washington, Texas, Bama, and Georgia. Alabama over the next 10 or so years is going to play home and home matchups with Texas, Wisconsin, Florida State, West Virginia, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. As I said, these are not the only programs doing this. Everyone's loading up their future out-of-conference schedule. Why the change? Well, it's not necessarily an answer I want to give you, but it is my duty to give it to you. Now, I love all the games. I wish people would do this regardless. But here's what's pretty obviously in play here. It's pretty obvious that people who really make the decisions in the world of schedule making, they understand college football playoff expansion is coming. And the world in which we expand to eight teams, I guess that's what model you're going to force me to go with. In that world, here's what it looks like. All of a sudden, the Alabamas of the world, the Ohio States of the world, they don't have to win every game. What they're looking at is they're looking at a system where you've got the Power Five conference champions who are in, and you could play as many out-of-conference marquee opponents as you want to, lose those games, and you could still win the conference championship. As long as you do that, you're in. Guaranteed spot. But also, what you're looking at is you're looking at a situation where, well, maybe you fall short. You know, Maybe any given year, Penn State just narrowly edges you out if you're Ohio State. Well, where do you want to be? Do you want to be sitting there at the end of the year with trash opponents, UNLV and, and the like, out of conference, or do you want to be sitting there with your resume saying, hey, we barely missed out, but um, looks like we got a couple of at-large spots here in the playoff field, and we played Ohio State and, or, well, you are Ohio State, we played Alabama this year, like we challenged ourselves. That's where you want to be. And a lot of these programs understand the value of strength of schedule in the year 2028 is going to matter even more than it does currently in the year 2020. Now, for various reasons I've told you, I do not support playoff expansion. But one of the upsides, it's not 100% positive and 0%, it's pros and cons either way. One of the pros is this is what it took to finally kick people in the backside and get them to schedule marquee home and homes which we always should have seen because everyone was terrified of being penalized for losing a college football game because that's the mentality you have right now. We either got to go undefeated or one loss at most, got to win the conference in all likelihood. Well, that shouldn't be the way you think. So now expanding the playoff, I guess, is what it took. But finally, uh, people are maybe willing to go on the road a little bit more and give the ticket payer a little bit more for their buck. So that's where we stand on that one. We've got a lot more questions to get to that we'll do on the next Late Kick Extra podcast. We'll be back here Sunday night. I can tell you right now, we got a loaded show for you Sunday night. Uh, we've looked ahead. Several of you have brought some very intriguing topics to the forefront that I think are relevant enough to put on this show instead of just answering really quick in the Late Kick Extra podcast format. So we appreciate you watching tonight. Again, if you haven't already subscribed to the channel, we got so much stuff coming your way. I mean, we already do. And every day we're pumping out more stuff and we're working on developing more stuff for you. So 
It's only going to grow bigger and better. We appreciate you being here with us. I'm Josh Pate for Director Colin, for Aaron, for Tani. Have a great weekend. We'll see you right back here Sunday night. God bless. is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.